Welcome to Roots and Graffiti Season 2, a short chat diving into the happenings of Jasper County, Indiana. Episode topics range from project announcements to conversations about rule issues. Hosted by the Jasper Newton Foundation and the Jasper County Economic Development Organization, together we explore and break down what's happening here in Jasper County. Good afternoon, everyone. This is Stephen Eastridge with the Jasper County Economic Development Organization. Today on the podcast, we have Dan and Julie Perkins with Perkins Good Earth Farm. Perkins Good Earth Farm is a local CSA-based vegetable farm that grows 100% organic vegetables right here in DeMont, Indiana, which is in the northern part of Jasper County. I had a lot of fun. Dan and Julie uh, were are always a lot of fun to talk to. My family and I are members of their CSA. We love getting vegetables from them every week. I hope you guys really enjoy this. Let me give you a little bit of background about Dan and Julie. Um, and I'm reading right from their website, guys. And if you want, you can find the website um, in the show notes below. But let me read this. Meet Dan Perkins, the guy who does the growing at Perkins Good Earth Farm. Dan, commonly known as the cover crop guy, is a certified crop advisor and has 19 years of organic growing experience. In short, Dan dreams about soil and vegetables and cares deeply about soil health and growing the best possible veggies for you. Julie, his wife, facilitates the fabulous community of the CSA. Before having children, she taught high school English and now she raises vegetables for kiddos, cooks recipes new and old with farm fresh produce and teaches CSA success skills. I hope that you guys enjoy this. We talk a lot of things on this podcast, all the way uh, from the their farm, how they got started, why they chose Jasper County, why they care, and all the way up to what agriculture looks like in Jasper County and where they fit into that. And I think that's a really interesting conversation. If you guys have any questions, comments, feedback, um, want to know more, uh, please send us an email. And uh, we'd love to, to make sure we're getting your guys' questions answered and, and getting some responses to you from, from our guests. So I hope you appreciate this and uh, enjoy. So tell me, about, tell me about the farm. Tell me about the operation, what you guys do, and sort of explain to anyone who's listening um, who doesn't know what Perkins Good Earth Farm is, you know, who are you guys and where are you located? So uh, Julie and I co-own Perkins Good Earth Farm, and we are located in Northwest yes. Indiana, Jasper County, just south of DeMont. And we provide the veggies that people love and need. And we take people on a veggie adventure uh, via several different methods, uh, primarily being the community supported agriculture model. So mm-hmm. we have about um, 180 families that are a part of the farm. Everyone may not know what a CSA is, and that might be a good thing to break down and explain. Community-supported agriculture, is, or CSA, is basically kind of like a magazine subscription, um, but yeah. for vegetables. But it's also much more than that, and I think that's what we've managed to accomplish here on our farm and our CSA is that we've made it much more of a community rather than just you're getting a box of vegetables. So how we do that, what's different is that as a farm member, as a CSA member, you're sharing in the risks and the rewards of the farm. So the beauty is as a farmer, we get the money largely up front and then we can practice farming, good agricultural practices, and really focus on that rather than marketing, although we do plenty mm-hmm. of marketing since we're <laughs> yeah. 
growing so much. Julie can attest to that. So if, if it's a great year for tomatoes, everyone's you know paid their share price, then everyone gets a fair amount of tomatoes. If it's a bad year for tomatoes, then um, maybe we don't get as much. It's, it's nice because when people come to pick up their vegetables at the farm, there isn't exchange of cash. There isn't, it's not like going to the grocery store where you're just buying things. We have time to have a conversation, talk about how we're going to cook, how we're going to prepare these vegetables or just yeah. life in general. And, and two, there is the opportunity to buy vegetables at the farm, right? It's, it's more than just, so there's, there's that as well if, if, if someone's not a, a member of, of your CSA. Right, exactly. You know, CSA is not for everyone. And we, you know, after we talk to people, sometimes we say, you know what, the CSA isn't right for your stage of life or for how much you cook or don't cook. But we do have a farm stand where you can come in and buy your vegetables if you want to come in once a month or every week. Typically, you know, you're buying at a slightly higher cost then for those vegetables. And you're not necessarily getting the first fruits or the first tomatoes, first green beans. And if we're short on something, you know, the CSA members are going to get it first. Generally how we try to work it. So as a CSA member, you are special. Yeah, and I, I take some pride in being a CSA member, so I appreciate that. So how did you guys how did you guys decide to be a CSA model based farm? Where did that come from? And and maybe it's good to talk about just how you guys decided to be a farm and what you know, what was the genesis of that a little bit? I mean, when I was in college, you know, I grew up a city kid and I just got, I went to school in Iowa and learned about the, how agriculture impacts the environment. Of course, was mostly negative, right? Uh, typical kind yeah. of environmental stance. But I also learned about how agriculture can positively impact the environment in terms of it's such a lot large user of water and land and mm -hmm. all sorts of resources. And so beginning to learn about what are some different models of agriculture that we can still be just as productive as the conventional model? So that kind of drew me to agriculture in terms of protecting the environment and caring for creation. That was for me a, a pretty big driver, like, okay, recycling's good, you know, driving an electric car is good, but really at base, what is the fundamental thing that will really impact the environment in a really positive way? It's how we eat the food that we purchase and how it was raised that matters at a big level. And so I was, you know, passionate about that and wanted to learn more about that. You're so you're not from Jasper County, you're not from from DeMont. How did you how did you and Julie end up in DeMont with with your farm? And Julie's originally from uh, DeMont, so she's born and raised. One thing she always says is that she would never marry a farmer and never move back to DeMont to live. <laughs> Both of things have happened. And it's, it's certainly been a really valuable resource to have roots in the community that has been key to, you know, the community buying into the farm and how supported we feel. You know, we are, a lot of CSAs operate, operate around cities and we are very rural, right? And so yes. a lot of people think, oh man, the CSA won't work in the rural contents. But what we've learned is that it's actually the opposite. We have much a deeper sense of community I, that just means a lot so there's there's actually a ton there to unpack before we like talk because i think there's really good things we can talk about about the relationship between agriculture and rural communities and how you know we, there's sort of a, a paradox where 
rural communities grow a lot of food, but there's they don't residents in rural communities don't always consume a lot of fresh food that you know, either they grow or they know the farmer that grows it right. So typically, there's you know this idea of our our farmers getting out of the tractor and going to the grocery store and buying food, right? Um, and so I think that's sort of what you're talking a little bit about is how there's this idea that rural communities don't you know have the population or they just you know we don't historically support smaller farms like like Perkins and so there's the idea is that CSA models can only work in urban population centers I think it's it's interesting and I, I like seeing the your guys's success because I think it shows that rural communities one we we face a lot of the same issues that urban populations center like urban cores face and in terms of you know poverty education access to food so many rural communities end up being food deserts because you can't get fresh produce in certain parts of these communities right Um, those are the same challenges they face in urban population centers Um, but we just don't think of them as being the same because they're just two totally different demographics right i'm rambling a little here but I, i think there's a relationship between the food system and solving some of these issues and i don't know if you if you are if you feel like you're you guys are seeing some of that and just the way your farm is growing. Yep, I think that's so true. You know, we have food deserts in rural areas just as much. And we really believe that it takes farms of all type. Currently, the pendulum have kind of, has kind of swung to large-scale agriculture, right? And so mm-hmm. we certainly need that. But the pendulum, I think, has swung so far to the detriment of our community. We don't have as many schools, we don't have as many resources going into our local economies like we once did because farms are just more spread out and there's fewer farms and farmers, right? So I think there's a lot of merit in this idea that small farms, medium farms really can be the backbone of the community. It's just, we have to eat differently. The CSA model and small scale, you know, market gardening, what we're doing fills that niche and gap. Um, And it's not even about organic or conventional or herbicide or not really that's we could talk about that but really it's about people need to eat a lot of our customers come to us and say you know what i want to eat healthy i want to eat like my doctor tells me to but when i need to you know have a quick lunch or need to have a quick snack you know taco bell fast food you know not to name certain restaurants but fast food becomes our easy option in rural areas, right? And that's, we all know that's just not, if you do that every day, that's a problem. It's no matter how much you work out, right? Or run. (laughs) And so we, do we need fast food restaurants? Certainly. If we're going to have small, you know, rural communities that are vibrant, my argument is that, and I think, you know, large scale agriculture folks would agree with this. We need more farms and farmers that simply fuels the local economy. And so to do that, farms that are market gardens or CSAs, I think DeMont could use six more of these. If yeah. CSA popped up two miles from us, I would be more than happy because I think as a community, there's enough people to support something like that. I think it's a model that's working all over the world. It's happening. I think there's a big revival and movement and we just happen to be in an area where there's not a lot of it, so it seems really new and fresh, which is exciting. No, and it is exciting, and it's interesting. And I, I you and I, I, when I first came to the farm and met you and, and Julie last year, you kind of touched on this a little bit, and I think it's a really good point because 
I, there's a lot of books and literature right now that are out that talk about regenerative farming and sustainable agricultural practices. And it's very much an us versus them conversation, the narrative of a lot of these books, right? And one of the first things you said to me was that I think it's a blend. We, we obviously need more small farms, but um, large agriculture has a place in, in the food system. And trying to totally buck that will probably would swing too far the other way again and we'd have other problems you know sort of in, in that nature but that there has to be a blend and that there have to be options for people to feel like they can choose the right things and and even when you were talking I was thinking it's you know because there's all the things about you know organic and these things pesticides herbicides um, but sometimes it's just important to know the person that grew your food regardless of what how you know how they grew that food and and especially from like my point of view in economic development the the value in investing in our community if you know the person that grew your food and you pay them for the vegetables uh you know your pork your beef whatever it is and those dollars stay within our our local economy there's a lot of services that can come from that in our local community right and and i want to be very clear i think some people perceive as farm as a farm as a hobby farm right but we make a full-time living from this. Is it tight? Yes. Are we building, <laughs> paying for the land, paying for our mortgage? Yes, we are. I want to be very clear that we run as a business and we are making a living from them. And it's, as everyone knows, farming is a lifestyle, right? So do we work long hours during the seasons? Uh, yes. Do we take vacations? Yes, we do. Because we primarily run as a, as a business and a farm, we happen to be a farm business, that's really important because I think in the regenerative ag space, I think there's a lot of idealists and a lot of people that like the idea, but they actually don't really know how to make it work. It really is a strict business numbers game. And, and if we can get that right, all the other stuff will come along is, is how we're trying to approach this, even though I am an idealist at heart as well. <laughs> I think you have to be right. I, I read a quote that I am going to butcher it, but just that, you know, any farmer is really just an, you know, just a, an optimist to the point of where they cause themselves pain, right? They, it's just like, they're just perpetually optimistic about everything. And, and sometimes that works out really well. And sometimes it doesn't work out so well if you get only you know, a summer's worth of rain in two weeks and it, you know. Yeah. And that's what's happening, right? Where I was just crunching the numbers from last year uh, over the winter because I've worked with a lot of the farmers in Jasper County and you know, worked with corn and bean growers and big and small. And, you know, on average, we produce about 16 tons of food an acre. Now, granted, yeah. our farm, we're actually only farming an acre and a quarter. So it sounds like nothing, mm -hmm. right? The average corn and bean farmer is producing about six tons of food. So we are, yeah. we are almost two and a half times more productive, where we're producing two and a half more tons of food. And I think that's really an important number. It's also an important number to know that, you know, we're employing right now, I just issued 10 paychecks. Like that's yeah. kind of crazy, right? And exciting, right? That's exciting. Except the one on the one writing the checks, that's not so exciting. <laughs> but the reality is like, imagine if there was 10 of 10 farms like this, that's over a hundred people employed by independent business owners, you know, like that, that is profound. Like to me, that's like, how do you bring our children back to this area so that they can farm too, right? Conversation many times with, you know, area corn and bean growers, like, I want my kids to come back or my nephew or cousin. Done properly as a business, it doesn't matter the size you are. 
I, you know, I, I know this now because I come every Monday and pick up my produce, but you guys grow a, a ton of different vegetables. There's a lot of variety. Can you just talk about, has it always been that way? Did you guys start off with a certain type of vegetable or, you know, and sort of how did you guys get to growing the variety that you guys grow today and what that looks like? Because I think that's a, a neat story too. The CSA model, like it, it fit what we wanted to try to do. We wanted to not be going to farmer's markets up in Chicago or or even nearby because of just on every weekend, um, just that we didn't want that lifestyle, right? So how do we get people to come to the farm? Well, you have to have vegetables that people want, right? What I'm saying is we're, we're trying to deliver what our customers value and what they want. We do that by delivering a, a variety of vegetables, spring, summer, fall, winter, that number one, people like and eat, but we also push people, right? That's the adventure part. A lot of people haven't had kohlrabi or fennel or even heirloom tomatoes or different types of zucchini. So through, you know, three times a year, we survey our customer base and say, hey, was there enough arugula? Was there too much? You know, and we just go through each crop that we grow. And I think just because of the number of farms I've worked on before we started our own, and because we've really just know our community, we've been able to really hone in and precisely as best we can identify, okay, salad greens that are quick and easy, um, that it's almost ready to go out of the bag. That's what people want. Okay, we're gonna deliver yeah. that. Two weeks of kohlrabi is, is more than enough. You know, we don't need six weeks of it. I don't plant six weeks worth. Does everybody want tomatoes for four weeks? Yes. Do people want spinach in the spring and fall? Yes. And to answer your question, I guess it's been a journey of talking to our customers, looking at what other CSA farms are doing. Number one feedback on the negative side of typical CSAs, if, if folks have been part of one, is that it's too many vegetables. I'm wasting them. So we've, we've been very careful about that because no one wants to be part of something where you're just wasting food. So we've, we've tried to, you know, tailor that by saying, okay, you can have a small share, you could be a medium share or large. And that fits depending on your eating habits and your lifestyle. That generally fits everybody. Breaking it into seasons actually was primarily driven so that we could take a vacation. We have a spring CSA that's seven weeks long. And then mm -hmm. first week of June, right when school gets out, we take a week vacation. So there's no distribution. Is there certainly planting and harvesting? Yes. Um, but we, that's, you know, the part enjoyment of having employees, but yeah. we go, you know, we go camping up at the dunes every, every year. Now it's only been in the last two years that we've been able to, as a business been mature enough to do that, but it also gives our customers a break. They are getting a little veggied out. We call it veggie fatigue. You guys have pushed me and my wife to cook, try things, you know, we're still working on perfecting how we like to eat sweet turnips, right? We haven't totally mastered that yet, but we spent all last fall in the fall CSA perfecting radish chips in the air fryer and that was like a once a week endeavor where we would try different seasonings and how we like to cook them and and had a lot of fun doing that and making you know hamburgers and chips but they weren't chips they were you know they were radishes from from perkins farm and we got to explore the different types each time so um, it's definitely pushed us into sure we eat a lot of salads don't get me wrong but we've we've tried to learn how to cook some of this stuff in different ways and it's been it's been fun and, and we still are getting better. Uh, it's, it's nice to get something. It's not just a cucumber, zucchini, or tomato and, you know, try to make a salad out of that sometimes because that was like all we knew how to 
use for the longest time, right? Right, and and that's what's crazy about the, you know, the typical grocery store is that the vegetables that you have, as good as they can be, often your selection, your varieties are very limited. So mm-hmm. we try to expand people's palates. You know, we are always, you know, my wife Julie, she has, you know, it's a private Facebook group that builds community. People sharing recipes. I mean, you've experienced it. Um, yeah, that's that's just really important for you know as people want to improve their eating habits like you need to surround yourself with a community to do that and so the the csa model you know really does enable that to happen but it also takes you know that's my wife's full-time job is is educating and you know creating that community but she loves doing it right i love to talk to people (laughs) as well um but i can't you got it you can't do both right how long, you know, how long have you guys been farming? How long have you guys been farming full time? You know, kind of walk us through a little bit as to, I'm sure you guys sat down one day, had a farm plan. How, you know, what have the iterations of that been? Where are you guys at within that? And what's coming next? What are some of the other things you guys continue to want to want to do as the farm grows? I had managed several farms. So I probably had four or five years of practical growing experience on farms, mm-hmm. very similar to ours, farms that were successful. And everyone experiences this when you have your first kid, you're like, wow, this is a ton of work. We want to live near family, right? We put a call out to our, you know, my parents, Julie's parents and said, hey, we're looking for farmland. Where is it affordable? Where do we know the community? And we started looking at properties and probably within two months, we found this place here in Jasper County and we Mm -hmm. fell in love with it. I worked for the local soil and water district as we transitioned to building the farm and we knew going in okay we want to farm full-time someday it might take 25 years it might take two years and we set about like you said developing a business plan and just really Mm -hmm. figuring out what the market could handle and we had to really get creative as i look back on it because we didn't want to go into downtown chicago like we fundamentally said we don't want to leave the farm if we don't have to and we want to feed the people around us. And so mm-hmm. that takes time to build. And we had to put in, you know, high tunnels and a greenhouse and infrastructure. And one has to pay for all that, right? What ended up happening is I worked for the district for 10 years. And after about 10 years, our most limited resource was time. My time, my yeah. mental space. And I loved what I was doing. And Julie, you know, we had three kids by this point. You know, she was a full-time stay-at-home mom. She was looking for to kind of have a creative outlet. We we're like, let's let's do this. This is crazy. Yeah. Trying to farm full-time and work off the farm full-time. You know, lots of people do it, but it's not ideal. And so we took that plunge three years ago, and we haven't looked back. And we've continued to, you know, develop the farm, increase our membership. We hope to hit 200 members this fall. Um, I think mm-hmm. we might actually already be there to talk to my um, CFO, Julie, <laughs> at that volume, that's about as big as we want to get. Um, mm-hmm. What our land base can support, what we can handle in terms of just knowing our customers. And we do sell wholesale, a um, couple restaurants and some smoothie making place. That has been nice just as a diversifier income. So I think that answers kind of the development question. We've been able to develop this way because we've set limits, right? I wasn't willing willing to farm 100 acres of vegetables. I'm not interested in that. 
I've worked on farms that do that. And I was like, you know what, that's, that's not what I want to do. But for someone else, it might fit perfectly, right? So we set some limits on size and whether we're willing to travel to our markets. And those have been really valuable limits. Uh, financial yeah. limits, obviously, we can only grow so fast. We can only, you know, only have so much cash, right? At the end of the day, that just makes you sharpen your pencil and be more precise in how we increase our efficiencies and how we grow our food, the vegetables, how we do it efficiently. It's kind of a management nightmare, actually, but it's also a challenge of it. It's not boring, that's for sure. Yeah, I'm sure it's not. Thinking about, you know, agriculture in, you know, the, the county, how do you feel like your farm fits into what people, especially what people in Jasper County think agriculture is? Yeah, that's a really good question. I would say, in general, we probably don't fit in the current makeup of, you know, corn and beans and wheat and dairies. But I'd say historically, we actually do. Um, what I've come to learn is that, you know, 20, 30 years ago, particularly around DeMont, there was lots of truck farms, what we now mm -hmm. call market garden farms. But there were lots of asparagus and strawberry and eastern part of the county had fair amount of cucumber fields. Historically, I think we fit in perfectly, actually. As we move forward, you know, as development pressures from up north continue to impact Jasper County in good and bad ways, right? Farms like ours, market gardens, are only going to fit in more. Mm -hmm. Subdivisions are going up all over the place, it seems like, and those people need to eat. Yes. And they, yes, ideally, right. those dollars should stay local and not go to the Costco up north, right? Like, fundamentally, it's it's better yes. for us if we can keep it local. Now I'm speaking to the economic development guy, so. <laughs> yeah. That fits into your earlier comment about how if there were six more farms like you, you what would you guys do there? That's a good thing for creating that community and that narrative to keeping those dollars instead of it, whether it's the Costco or it's the Meyer or, you know, whatever it is. And just having people in our, our county know, you know, at least on some level, I think it's probably some people are probably too attached to whatever, insert whatever junk food that is your guilty pleasure, right? Because I think we all have one of some sort. It's, it's hard to get that. But otherwise, you know, getting some level of what you eat from your farmer, knowing that person, there is, there is a tremendous amount of residential growth happening in the county right now, especially in the area where we live. There's, you know, we're, all, we're seeing building permits um, pulled for new homes almost at the rate at which we saw them before 20, 2008. So we are starting to see that, that level of building and growth again, which we haven't, it's been a really long time. And so it is really important to for for us to as a community to support those types of operations that do you know provide a lot of economic benefit and social benefit. And you guys talk about the community that you guys have built around the farm. There's a there's a lot there to be said. We have new people visiting every day, and a lot yeah. of the people we hear from they love to garden, and they don't have time anymore, or they 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 have a very small garden. They have a container garden. The soil around here is challenging, so they only garden very specific things so i think because we are a rural base we have a lot of people who know how to grow food they know how much work it is they love the flavor and um you know i remember someone said at one point we're just gonna let you garden for us and we we're yeah. like hey can we use that line in our marketing we love that 
I, we feel a lot of appreciation from our customers. They, a lot of them, most of them know where food comes from and know how hard it is. We have a, a, several, I mean, multiple people who are farmers, conventional farmers who get their yeah. garden vegetables from us. We know how hard they work. They know how hard we're working. So see a lot of partnership going on there. Well, and something we haven't really talked about, and this is a good uh, segue for us to talk a bit with Julie is you talked about the you know growing the farm and and find, getting to new people and 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 Dan has done a really good jo- job talking. This is a really good example of the two different minds of the farm right now operating. We're talking about growth and and Dan talked a lot about trying new vegetables and and things like that. You know, sort of the the, the farming side of it, but. On, on your end and sort of some of the marketing, how have you tried to approach growing the farm, reaching new people and doing things like that? Because I think that that's one of my favorite parts. And that's, you know, that's why we were there with the whole family on, on Saturday is, is the, the stuff like that, right? One of the best things I get to hear pretty regularly is my kids wouldn't eat vegetables before they tried these. You know, I never heard of what a sweet turnip is. And now it's my you know, five-year-old daughter's favorite vegetable. Those kinds of comments are super fun for us. I mean, the education part is really big for us. And that does fall under marketing in regards that if someone knows how to cook, they're going to keep buying the vegetables. If they don't, they won't. But the other part of that is we, we just want people to be eating vegetables. We know how good they are for you. And we think they, you know, eating that kind of food really improves quality of life. So I feel like I was really wary of getting, doing marketing, just the whole sound of it sounded like, oh man, I'm like, I'm going to be that shady person. Like, I don't know. I just had really (laughs) negative ideas about it. And used cars and vegetables are like the same thing. (laughs) So the more I learned about marketing, the more I learned that, like, if you really believe in what you're doing, you should be Mm -hmm. trying to sell it to people. And, you know, I feel like we're really honest when we talk to people, like if you don't like vegetables, CSA is not going to be a good fit for you. You know, yeah. if you just like certain things, get them from the farm stand. I, I've really enjoyed marketing more now that I understand, you know, I'm selling something that is truly valuable and people like, and the education part goes hand in hand with that. So another big yeah. part of that for us is our farm blog where you know we have our farm kitchen now so we have these recipes we give samples they're from the food our csa members are getting so people can buy them already made or make them on their own and we are getting um we've all we've had the farm blog a long time but this is a new approach for it and we're just getting really great feedback from people both csa members and people who are just part of our community trying them having success and that makes us just it makes our work feel really good i was telling dan we're still perfecting exactly how we like to cook the sweet turnips in our house we haven't had them before until we signed up for the csa but we're, we're getting there we've we found some we've found some pathways towards what we like so so one of, the, one of my so one of my favorite parts about coming into the farm stand is you, you guys have developed a lot of relationships with other farms and have things that in your farm stand that you don't grow. Can you talk about that and, and what your thought process behind that is? Sure. So we decided we just wanted to grow vegetables. We've tried animals sure. in different states and they can be a lot of fun and they're also a lot of work. And sometimes yeah. they don't go that great with vegetables. Right. I don't like things that move. <laughs> There's some logistical challenges to it, right? There are, yeah. and even just the manpower we have. So what we have done is partnered with Cager Greens out of 
North mm -hmm. Jordan for chickens and Cameron Mills out of Cass County for grass-fed beef. At our customers' request, we weren't planning on doing that, um, but we had people asking for access to those meats. And then we also, you know, we just have connections with different farmers just by being in this world. So Firefly Fields, um, organic grains and beans. They were like, hey, do you guys want to try these? We tried them. They were amazing. We reached yeah. out to our customers. Do you guys want to try these? Yes. And so, you know, we're now carrying coffee from field roasters in Wheatfield and honey from, we get it from Van Clays in Wheatfield and sometimes from Burn Lake Village. The fruits, different fruits. These are all things that people have asked for, our customers have asked for. So what we once a couple people ask, we reach out to the rest of our customers. Are you guys interested in this? We'll give it a try. You know, if we can carry it and uh, make some make it work for the farm stand, let's do it. And for, I think it's a win-win because, you know, when I'm shopping, it's easier if I can go to fewer places. And it's same with this stuff. We're trying to make it where people can get all those local farm products without having to go to all the different farms. And a lot of these farms, they just, they don't have a storefront. They, yeah. you know, it's like order online or, you know, if you might be able to get half a cow at butcher date, you know, most people don't want half a cow. We, we've been really pleased with these partnerships. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said earlier, it's what our customers value are driving us. We were talking the other day. It's almost like if this food is Perkins approved, then we'll eat it. Right. Like, yeah. I don't know if that's brand building or, or something, but it's the food we choose to sell we have certain values that go along with that, right? Like it's not just the cheapest meat we can find or the cheapest honey. It's like, it's food with a relationship. And so, you know, the, the closer to home we can, you know, get from other farmers, we will do that. That's what our customers want. So, you know, you gave the example, Julie, of the organic grains out of Michigan that we're getting. That was a previous workmate of mine. He's starting up a small farm with his wife. And I really agree with his production method. They have a great product. If someone, you know, in Jasper County could produce that kind of product, we'd buy for them as well. So I think there's yeah. a lot, I don't call it vertical integration or a way to stack enterprises where everyone does better when everyone does better. Well, you know, and I don't know if this has been part of your guys's like intent, but in Dan, there's, you've, you've kind of touched it a few times is you guys set limits on you know, how fast you wanted to grow, how much farming you wanted to do and how much land you wanted to have. And I think this kind of falls into that same category where you, you said, we just want to do this. All these other things are really important and we're going to build relationships to get that to our, our CSA members and our customers, but we're going to stay in our lane within those limits that we've set ourselves and continue to do that really well. And I feel like that sort of falls right into that, that intent. And you guys have just been really deliberate about what you guys are doing, how and when, and, and all of that. And I feel like that's a part of it. Yep. Yeah. And there is certainly, we appear deliberate, but sometimes it's just like, okay, <laughs> let's try that and see if it sticks. Yeah. Just where you guys, this is all part of the plan. You guys are doing great. I, I know that your guys' time is super valuable. I could keep talking and fanboying all day with you guys. And I hope you guys feel like we are personally, my household and my office are very supportive of what you guys do. I hope that you guys feel that on some sense. One question that Brianne, who couldn't join us, always likes to ask, and I think it's one of the best questions of the podcast. You could do this anywhere. You could do this in another state. You could, you could grow your own vegetables and just you know do something else, but you don't. You do this here and you do it in Jasper County. So why, like, why do you care? Like, Why do you do it here? You know, growing up here, I think the most... I had, 
you know, the answer that comes to mind is like, I, we love this community. And as yeah. Dan said, you know, as a youth, I was like, I'm getting out of here. But once you leave, you sometimes learn to appreciate where you came from. And I know yeah. that happened to me. And as Dan came into this community too, we, we, there's a lot of different ideas about how things work, but we see a lot mm -hmm. of people coming together time and again and finding unity. And, and we really appreciate that in our community. It's food. It has a lot of diversity just in flavors and tastes. And when you yeah. come and sit at a table, no matter your political views, whatever, it's, it's a common element. And that is, that is a powerful thing. I'm a firm believer that food is a love language and it's one of mine. So we can all unite over food, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think the small farms are changing the world and they're changing mm -hmm. Jasper County and our vision, you know, 20, 30 years from now is that there's more farms of all types. And, you know, Stephen, I thank you for your work and, you know, for the leadership that you're provided, you're providing your board. Thanks. So I really appreciate, I know, I know the farm is really busy, but I appreciate all that you guys are doing and hope that you guys continue to push forward. Awesome. All right. Thanks, Stephen. Thanks, Stephen. Hey guys, thanks for listening. For more information on today's topic, check out the show notes below or email us at rootsandgraffiti at jaspercountyin.com.